0: In case you missed it,
1: with Susan Cahill,
0: a look back at the week on
2: News Talk. A lot of positive, actually, because I had time to look inside myself and then just discover new things, new hobbies that I yeah could do. I can read books now and I can study more. So that's a lot of positive, yeah and I am into meditation now, which is something that I didn't have time to do because I was just working long hours. I wake up and then the first thing I do is just 10 minutes meditation and then I start my day like this and it really changes.
3: That's one of the good things that's come out of this for you, really, finding the time to, to relax and have some downtime.
2: Absolutely. yeah. I work in a very busy environment inside a hair salon, so I didn't have any time to just relax and take it easy and now I'm definitely enjoying it.
4: I suppose spending less money on things I don't need, which I normally do, wandering in and out of shops, and people are nicer to one another, and it's quieter. Do
5: you think some people's habits will will change now, going forward, even after all this?
4: Yeah, I think so. I think shopping habits might change, but I think focus more on what's
6: important, really, in life.
5: And what would that be now for you?
4: Oh, people and leisure time, you know, spent doing things that are important, you know, that are... I like a lot of people getting into gardening and growing things and decluttering, and my daughter got her vaccine today. Oh, brilliant. she would be compromised and yeah. she's getting it today. So that's
1: brilliant. good news. Brilliant.
0: The positive thing that came out of it for me would be that the pubs are closed, spending more time with my family and doing things around the house. That's a positive thing. Keep the pubs closed in this country. Down the backyard and all through the summer and now the winter's come. We're out walking the dogs positivity all around there's no no room here for negativity
7: i got a new dog and her name's frankie and she's a french bulldog and
8: with covid lately um it's been a bit better because there's no more like risks in your life because you're not going to see other people and you spend more time with your family
5: so you're able to spend more time out walking the dogs with the family that's that's the best thing at the moment
8: no And I get to be in my
5: pyjamas when I'm doing my school work. Since all this began last March, are you doing anything differently or has anything good come out of it for you?
2: I think what I've done, which is really good, is I finally managed to um, get through a DIY project list at home. So lots of painting, lots of gardening, lots of home improvements. Yeah, it's good. I mean, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying my reduced life in a way, but I don't want it to go on forever.
7: Lots of time for walking with family, quiet times, lack of distractions, yeah. Walks, lots of walks, 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 all over Dublin.
9: Josh Crosby reporting. Hello and a very good morning to you. Now, are you one of the many people who's got used to a nice afternoon siesta during the coronavirus lockdown? Well, you're not alone. Here's Henry McKean.
5: You might take a little
10: 20-minute nap, yeah, why not?
0: And just sort of put the uh, Zoom call on silent and hopefully they can't see you.
10: Well, um, fortunately I'm still working outside so that's grand.
0: So yeah. you, would you have your nap in the car?
10: If I was waiting on somebody, yeah, why not? And you feel
0: better for it? Absolutely, absolutely. No, not when you're working all day. So you wouldn't get a quick nap? No. And what do you do for a living? Uh, I'm a locksmith. And you wouldn't be tempted to get a quick little nap in there? No. Not a chance. But, I mean, it's not a job you can just take a break from and just stop and wind, wind yourself back up again. It's kind of heavy concentration a lot of it, you know. And does it surprise you, this new research, that having a nap helps with brain function, it helps with memory, it can make you feel better and you can go on later? Possibly. I mean, it works for the Europeans, you know, the, the, the Spanish, and I think some of the French maybe as well. But, yeah, it's a mentality thing. It would take a lot to change Ireland to go into that kind of mode, I think. Do you think secretly half the nation is actually asleep right now, having a nap? Quite possibly, but they're in COVID lockdown as well, so you don't blame them. Would you like to have a siesta? Would you like to have a nap?
7: Uh, Not particularly, because I feel it would affect my night's sleep.
0: According to this survey, people who did take a nap actually had better verbal fluency, memory, uh, and they uh, did quite well when it came to locational awareness. Would you be a sleeper? Would you be an afternoon napper? They're not working, you know. We work shifts, so sometimes you, you would be napping off if you're off, you know. So, what sort of shifts would you work? Uh, you're working early in the late shift, you know. You could work from anything from half five in the morning till three in the afternoon, and vice versa, then half two to twelve, you know. And you're a, a bus driver, so yeah. it's so important for you to be completely alert and be yeah. rested. And if that means getting a little bit of a nap, having a little bit of a coffee, why not? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this would be do. Because you, you, you don't want to be falling asleep at the wheel, do you? No. <laughs> I don't take one. Are you I... tempted to take one? No. How many hours a night would you sleep on average? Four to five. So like Margaret Thatcher, she only used to get four to five oh, hours no, sleep. I, Why so little? I don't need... That's how much sleep I take. I spend longer than that in bed, but I don't need more than four or five hours sleep. Are you Henry McKean? I am, yes. OK. No, I, I'm a, a fan of yours. <laughs> so why just four to five? You're saying that's all you can actually get, that's all your body needs. Yeah I don't need any more. I'm not working at the moment so I've no great I'm not expelling any great amounts of energy. So you know, that's it. I don't need any more. You don't feel wrecked all day with just four to five hours? No, no, no. I'm not doing anything. I'm resting all day. You know, The only work I do is cooking for myself. If I felt like taking a nap I would, but I don't. Six o'clock, seven o'clock listening to off the ball. I might I lie down on the couch listening to it and I I could
9: doze off for ten minutes then but Henry McKean reporting for Moncrief.
11: And do you find, David, that your mood changes as you move from room to room? Are there some mornings that you like to sit in one room other than another space? Or or how do you feel about the, I suppose, the emotional impact of the different rooms? Well,
3: I I love all the different rooms, but I spend most of my time here where I'm sitting now in the kitchen. Okay. Uh, Because it's the heart of the home. Yes. Uh, It's where I do my cooking and my laundry and all this kind of stuff. And I also sit here and I watch the birds. I feed the birds. Uh, on uh, peanuts and uh, uh, fat balls and so on. And I just so much enjoy watching them out of the garden.
11: Yes, indeed. And of course, we've all been able to hear bird song a little bit more uh, during lockdown uh, than be, than I suppose we were ever appreciative of it before. There yes, be.
3: but I don't know if you've noticed, and I don't know whether it's the season or what, but there are no blackbirds. I don't hear the blackbirds singing at all. And I love the song of the blackbird.
11: And it's lovely for you, I suppose, to have it in a city centre location where so much of the hustle and bustle and noise would generally kind of knock that out altogether. You wouldn't get the, the pleasure of it.
3: Yes, but, you know, my back garden is like a little oasis. Uh, you, you, you don't hear the traffic at all. It's like being in the countryside. It's extraordinary.
11: Now, when we're talking about uh, Dublin architecture and design and all that, and of course, I am talking to Senator David Norris about his beautiful home in North Great Georgia Street. David, are there any pet peeves you have about maybe modern architecture? And I know, it you know, it, there's this juxtaposition between it, sitting alongside our heritage have to be modern buildings, whether they're for residence or for um, commercial purposes. What do, you, what do you hate most or like most about the way that modern architecture has designed our inner city.
3: Well, there's a really awful building on the site of the old Theatre Royal uh, in, in in Dublin, and uh, it's one of the most unattractive, badly designed buildings I've ever seen in my life. And one of the other ones is Telephone House here in Marlborough Street, uh, which blocks out uh, the original perspective of the view down from North Great George Street. I mean, there's. A it's a particularly lamentable building, uh, and it was described as a style of architecture known as brutalism. Well, I yes. don't see any point in being a brute. I really don't.
11: <laughs> yes, and I know we've had we've had our own resident architect, Rosheen talking about brutalism and this kind of concrete. Uh, dr- I do find it very dreary, I must say. But I know there are huge fans of it, uh, and and people people like it a lot. So you are all about, of course, the preservation of this. Part of Dublin, uh, and I suppose there's a, a purpose when you know when homes are being preserved or redesigned. We have to think about a modern purpose for them. Now you are living in this beautiful house. Do you ever feel it's too big for your needs? Or, or? no, I don't. Okay. In fact, it's almost <laughs> too small
3: because <laughs> I have so many pictures, including I don't know how many pictures of myself that artists have painted and given to me. I haven't asked for them, but they've given them to me.
7: Really, you've um, got a, ga- and when a gallery. I died,
3: a portrait gallery. Yeah, well, fears. when I die, people are going to these Stafford. a complete megalomaniac, that fellow, with all these pictures <laughs> of themselves like Hitler all over the place. Now, but it's because I've been given them.
9: David Norris, sir, from The Home Show with Sinead Royne, And of course, you can tune in to Sinead every Saturday morning from 9 till 10. On Friday, Kira Kelly spoke to Amanda Knox for News Talk Breakfast. Here's a
10: short clip. Your name is more famous than anybody, including the victims in terms of this crime, do you believe that there will be some people out there who will always believe you were guilty irrespective of the fact that quite clearly the court has exonerated you?
12: Absolutely. Um, There was a headline recently that um, really, really highlighted this issue where Rudy Gaudet was recently released and uh, the headline was the man who killed Amanda Knox's roommate released from prison. And of all the people's names that should have been remembered in that headline. Mine should not have been there. Meredith should have been remembered. Rudy Gade should have been named. But here I am being made the center of a true crime story that I am not the center of. Amanda, do you ever
10: feel guilty? And what I mean by that is, is, is not in terms of the crime. Do, do you have a sense of survivor guilt from all of this? Meredith died that night. She was randomly home alone. It could have been you. It could have been any of the other the other women who lived in the apartment. Like, like you must have a complicated relationship with all of this.
12: Absolutely. Um, I mean, I think about that all the time, about how if I had been home that night with Meredith or alone, I could be dead today. And that is the real tragic crux to this story. There's really no reason but luck that I'm sitting here talking to you today.
10: How hard has it been? How hard one has it been for you to move on with your life to some extent?
12: Well, in, in some respects, it's been impossible because no matter what I do, I... Am continually daily reminded that my name and my face is associated with this tragedy. And there are people who have dedicated their time and energy to never letting me forget it. At least the people who accuse you of profiting when you speak out about it. Yes, and and those who tell me that I should disappear, but then if a tabloid stalks me and does their Update of what's Amanda Knox doing today? They blame me for somehow being in the spotlight. And I feel like as I've been trying to rebuild my life, I've viewed myself as being a bridge builder between myself and others who have found themselves in similar situations. And that's what I do today in my own work, in my own podcasting with The Truth About True Crime and Labyrinths. And I got into that in a very backwards sort of way. I was trying to live a normal life and go back to what I knew, but I found that I couldn't. The life that I had before everything happened no longer existed. And I had to rediscover myself through connecting with other wrongfully convicted people who deserve to have a voice and don't deserve to have everyone else tell their story for them. So that's what I try to do today.
9: What an impressive woman, author, and journalist, Amanda Knox from News Talk Breakfast. Tina, you are a full time
13: carer for your dad. Tell us a little bit about him. He's beautiful,
6: he's wonderful, he's 95. And physically, he's he's just so strong and so healthy, and he's the, the light of my life. That the team is is dad, myself, and Google the dog, and uh, we're we're just a wonderful little family unit. But unfortunately, two years ago, he um, developed vascular dementia. So, um, cognitively, his his mental function is declining, and that won't get any better. But COVID and the lockdown has definitely contributed to accelerating that. We've been locked in since March. Um, Groceries are delivered. Um, Dad can't go get his pension anymore. Um, He can't go to the Alzheimer's Society. used to have a daycare centre that he went to for a half a day once a week. Um, I I realised at the time that that was a great break for me, but I totally underestimated the benefit that it brought for dad. Yeah, Uh, because he was mixing with um, men and women of well, maybe not his own age, but certainly of an age. But it makes the brain um, work,
13: doesn't it? And it keeps the function going. And when you don't have that, it just accelerates the dementia all the more.
6: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I can say to dad, tell me about Kevin Towns because he's a proud Kevin man. And and he'll look at me and say, what do you want to know about Kevin, you know already? But if a stranger asks him that or somebody outside the family, it fires his synopsis because he goes off to talk about it and it stimulates everything and everything starts to move. So he's missed that. And I've seen, you know, um, he's become also quite agoraphobic now because he can't go out and, and I can't bring him down to do his pension. And I was trying to make up excuses and I didn't want to scare him and I didn't know what to say. And at one stage he thought there was a war and then I started telling him there was a bad flu. And I don't know if I handled it good, bad or indifferent, but now he's become very reluctant to even go out into the garden for me, which is a heartbreak because he's a gardener in his heart. And I'm just hoping and longing for for the good weather to be able to yeah. coax them back yeah. out. Yeah,
13: I think but that might um, help. I think we've all gone a little bit that way that we we don't quite want to get out as much as we did before. So hopefully there's a little bit of that going on with your dad as well. And what about but, you, Tina? Then how how are you handling all of this? I'm
6: exhausted. Um, I'm 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 terrified. I've you know been trying to keep him safe since March. Um, when we saw that there was a vaccine coming, the whole country, the whole world relaxed and we thought there's a light at the end of the tunnel, there's a beginning to the end. Dad's on the list. I, I hoovered up that information so hungrily and I was absolutely delighted. And then I realised that I'm not on it to all intents and purposes. and a 50-year-old in reasonable health, so I'm back down there. I don't care about me getting the, 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 you know, the, the, the flu or the, the, the virus. I don't care about me getting sick. It's like, um, you know, your previous caller has just mentioned there. It's not about us being healthy for ourselves. It's about us being healthy to maintain the person that we're looking after. Um, and I can't understand because the protocol is already there for the flu virus. Like family carers are prioritised for flu vaccine, but not for the COVID virus.
13: Yeah, because what would happen to them if if you go down or if you have to to isolate?
6: Yeah, I mean, the, the, the excuse that's being given and it feels like a dismissal is that family carers are too disparate a group and don't fit into one, any one cohort and they'll be dealt with individually according to their own personal health needs. But we don't have personal health needs in our case because our health and the health of the person that we're looking after is inexplicably linked. If we go down, they go down too. Yeah. If we get sick, we can't care for our vulnerable
5: person It was not the girl next door But the girl from around the corner sat at the tail end of it.
9: show in case you missed it
1: with Susan Cahill
0: a look back at the week on news talk
10: now loads of you getting involved on that uh- Question I suppose we asked you at the start of the show. Should Mihal Martin go to Washington for Patrick's Day? And should he be vaccinated too? Um, Tom in Newcastle says, My mother died in a nursing home three weeks ago from COVID. It is a global pandemic, but we have to proceed with life. Of course the Taoiseach should go and see Biden. It would be ridiculous not to. Sinn Féin are wrong on this. Love the show. Thank you very much for that, Tom. And our deep condolences to you there as well in Newcastle.
8: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, not everyone agrees, though, saying I'm utterly disgusted and disappointed disappointed that you both think it's okay for Mihol Martin to go to the US during this incredibly deadly and heartbreaking pandemic. He should absolutely have his meeting online like everybody else and would be a good example to the whole country. People would look at him a lot more favourably if he doesn't travel.
10: Yeah, another one says, I do not think Mihol Martin should go to the US I think the fact that there is now a US president who's very friendly to Ireland makes it even less necessary. Is he going to like Ireland more if Michal goes there? Not likely as he is already fond of us. I think it shows a much better leadership to stay here and demonstrate to the Irish people that we all have to make sacrifices no matter who you are. Michal Martin's not making a sacrifice by staying home. We're all sacrificing something by him staying home. He's not going on holidays to see Joe Biden.
8: Yeah, uh, another listener, though, says uh, nonsense revaccinating uh, the Taoiseach and ministers. Ministers are not essential frontline workers. If the Taoiseach travels to DC, he's effectively declared summer holidays are back on. I don't really see the comparison between a summer holiday and going on a, as what I would regard as an essential business trip,
9: but uh, keep those texts coming through. Shane and Kira on News Talk Breakfast. On Friday, Leinster and Ireland rugby star Johnny Sexton joined Gerrit Gilroy on
2: Off the Ball. I think everybody is exactly the same at the moment. That's like everybody has this kind of uncertainty that you're just trying to bat away as long as you can and then you deal with it for a little while and it it becomes overwhelming. A lot of people are are experiencing that sense of overwhelming. Uh, Sometimes it's dread and sometimes it's fear and sometimes it's just like it feels like you're always on. What do you do? How do you you deal with that? What is the mindfulness that you actually practice to, to help that?
14: Yeah, we're the same and it's like... We're we're human beings as well. It's it's a big challenge for us as well. And I suppose the only thing that you can try and do for us anyway, like obviously all the mindfulness and meditation type things to to try and keep you in the moment really. And and the days that I'm in good form, the days that I don't get, you know, dragged into this, what if scenario is the days that, you know, I'm doing that. I'm trying to live in in, in the moment and uh, concentrate on the training session in front of me or the meeting in front of me, and and letting everything else look after itself. But like I said, it's it's easier said than done at times. It's a it's a very uncertain time for for everyone in the world, and um, you know, like I said, we're we're just incredibly lucky to be to have some bit of normality, like being in camp together, training towards one goal, uh, which is the Six Nations, is as normal as, as things have got for us, so uh, it, it's, a nice, it's a nice change.
2: The, the Dublin footballers used to um, do sessions and the players would lead them, uh, and it only came out in Bernard Brogan's book last year, a, a few of the players in particular, Michael Darren McCauley was one, and Kevin McManaman is actually a qualified um, sports performance uh, psychologist, they were actually. It was player-led. Did Joe Schmidt bring this in to the Ireland team? Is that where you would have been introduced to it?
14: Yeah, that, that, that's the first I've I've heard of it. Again, I wouldn't have been the most uh, mindful person, I should say. Uh, like I struggled with it, and when Joe was preaching about it at the start, I kind of you know, we used to go into the mindfulness sessions and I used to lie there and I used to just plan my day or I'd, you know, be going through what we were going to do in training and what I was going to do in training. And, uh, you know, I didn't get it. And it took a probably, you know, a bad year, uh, you know, stressful year for me to kind of buy into it. And uh, I bought into it and probably had the year of my career uh, off the back of it. And, and then I've tried to keep it up since. So uh, something that definitely helps, never mind with, uh now your performance but with your with your mental well-being as well so it's definitely something that is pushed on us uh is encouraged in the environment it's encouraged with you know in leinster as well and it's encouraged with you know the, the players association uh that we're 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 strongly encouraged to, to keep involved and look after ourselves in that way
2: yeah and look it's it's good training for the rest of your life as well to be able to deal with whatever's coming right
14: yeah like uh, I, I probably wouldn't be amazing at it myself, you know, at times I'm I, I'm very good, I'm very diligent with it and then other times, you know, you can let it slip and you do notice a difference in it. But yeah, it's it's a good tool for for life after rugby, um, you know, for even teaching your kids. I know even like my my young my fellow's school, uh, you know, he was doing it you know, much younger than we were. So, uh, you know, hopefully he'll see the benefits and I'll encourage him to do it when he's a little bit older and the world gets a little bit more stressful.
9: Johnny Saxton
3: from Off The Ball. Well, uh, Marty, it's a very telling message and timely message too. tomorrow being World Cancer Day. So everyone who has any kind of a a thing that might be worrying them, uh, you know, it could be uh, a spot that doesn't go away on your skin somewhere, a mole that has changed, whatever it might be. uh, The point is, don't delay. Get onto it now. And uh, it may well reward you by uh, detecting something with early treatment and you'll be fine. And that's, uh, that's uh, if you like, the risk and reward uh, calculation that people should make. Uh, Marty, before yeah. I let you go, I have to ask you about commentating in an empty stadium. <laughs> what is that like <laughs> for someone like you?
1: Well, it, it, it was strange, uh, Pat. I mean, uh, like, number one, I think uh, whatever sport it was to get it up and running last year was a, a marvellous achievement. And to have the championship in, in my world of the GA it was it was it was just superb and uh, the GA need to be applauded for that and the county boards and the and the county managers and players who played in, in this strange environment. But to be in Parkie Cleveland Cork or Simple Stadium Ferris or Cork Park and nobody there and you get excited about a great goal or a point, you're saying to yourself, Am I overstating this? Because there is no reaction But you, it's funny, you kind of get used to it and you normally have a, a sidekick of a co-commentator beside you and, and you, you kind of get used to it. But it's, I, I long for the day when I meet people again because the GA and sport is about community. It is about getting involved and being there. And to go to these venues and to have nobody there was kind of weird and, and, and strange for so long. But do you know what, by the time we got to the All-Ireland Finals in, in just before Christmas, we were kind of used to it and thankful for it that we had it. Uh, and I know that January is normally my month off, but it, it, even without sport for this month, uh, it's, been, uh, it's been strange. But obviously with lockdown, we have to mind ourselves and, and, uh, and hopefully that in 2021, somewhere along the line, which I think we will, I think hopefully we'll have a championship later on in the summer. From the Pat Kenny Show.
9: On Thursday, veteran broadcaster John Snow joined Kieran Cuddihy on the Thursday interview. Here's a short clip.
13: John, is it true that once you considered shooting
15: it, do you mean? Well, sort of yes, but really no. I mean, uh, of course, I loved Uganda, and as soon as um, uh, there was something to report there, uh, I put my hand up and said, "Can I go?" And I was sent, and um, over time, uh, I went perhaps, I don't know, five or six times, um, firstly for radio and then for television. And it was when I was there for, for ITN that uh, having covered Amin enough for him to know who I was, one day he said, oh, you must come and see my home in the country. I live right up in the northeast of, of, uh, uh, of uh, northwest of, of Uganda. Uh, you come and, come and see my village. And I thought, well, that's an opportunity. So the presidential jet was uh, readied. And I, my cameraman and my sound man, um, together with a rather burly looking air hostess, uh, boarded the plane and and, um, uh, he wasn't there. And I thought, oh, God, this is all a setup." But very soon he did appear. And the only reason we knew he'd appeared was because all this light was drained from the cabin of the plane as this vast individual wedged his way in and plonked himself down next to me. And almost as soon as we'd taken off, there was a sort of... He was clearly asleep. And um I sort of looked around, and I realised that there was a pistol hanging out of his holster. And no, no Nothing sort of retaining it except the weight of the gun in the holster. And I did seriously think, well, perhaps I should shoot him. I wasn't really a man that was into killing people, but at the same time he'd killed so many people, it did strike me that perhaps... Uh, it was time somebody did something about him, but I'm afraid my um, feeble character failed me, and I allowed him to sleep on and the gun to remain resting in the uh, in the holster.
2: It's not something you you regret, though, is it? Not killing a man.
15: No, no, I would never want to kill a man. I, so far, as far as I know, I never have.
9: John Snow from The Hard Shoulder with Karen Cuddyhe. Now, News Talk has just launched a brand new weekly environmental podcast. Down to Earth with Carol Gustenberg. Here's a clip with chef and food writer Doreen Allen.
7: At the school then, a number of years ago, I banned tinfoil. I got a thing about tinfoil, aluminum foil. So we banned that, so we don't use that at all. And we're doing our very best, as everybody is, I'm sure now, to cut down the use of plastic. Just to try to just have... No single-use plastic, and it's really tough. Even if you're really committed to it, because one has to say to one suppliers, so "Please don't deliver anything in plastic to me." Um, you know, try to put it into a, a recycled cardboard box or a or a timber box if the you know, with the fruit when the fruit comes in it. And also, when one does that, you're reminding other people as well to just be a little bit more aware of that. And then I, I, there's another little thing. One of the things that might amuse you is that with things like, for example, orange, or citrus peels, orange or lemon peels or whatever, we, of course, make some candy peel, but there's a limit to how much candy peel you can use uh, or you want to use. The other ones that are left over, uh, we just dry them out. Uh, in, in my case, in the bottom oven of my ancient aga, And then they dry out and they make the most brilliant fire lighters. And then it makes sense because you don't, for anybody actually to do that, it's fun apart from anything else. But you don't have to pay the council to take away the, you know, it's not another thing to put into your bin going to the council. And of course, the other, I think I mentioned earlier about having hens. Oh my goodness. I really encourage people uh, to think about having hens. Uh, Even if you're living in an urban area, if you have a little bit of grass, you know, maybe a little chicken coop. And you might have three or four hens in it, and the scraps then from your cooking can go to the hens, and they'll come back as they'll recycle them, and they'll come back as eggs a few days later. And then you'll have the manure, and you can put that onto your compost if you. And it's really, really a wonderful thing to make a little compost, even if it's very simple. Put that back onto the soil. Uh, in your garden to make the soil more fertile and then you can grow lots of lovely vegetables and everything uh, that are going to be really nutritious and and delicious
9: for the family. From Down to Earth with Cara Gustenberg and of course you can download the podcast every Friday afternoon on Newstalk.com In Case You Missed It
0: with Susan Cahill a look back at the week on Newstalk
7: We normally go to the old part of Ibiza or the Grand Canaria or Cyprus Um, This year now, we haven't booked anything. Um, We have booked a little place in Cork in July, but that's about it with all this COVID. So Cork in
0: July, that's as far as you're going to get to? Yeah. And whereabouts in Cork? Uh, Bantry. And you normally would like to go
7: to Ibiza? Yeah, love the sun, love going abroad, but unfortunately, we're all stuck. And what did you think of Michael O'Leary's comments? Obviously,
0: he's trying to sell... Tickets. He's trying to get bums on seats. He made a billion euro in losses last year. Um, he's saying that Neffert uh, are basically pumping out hysteria, and uh, 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 Nefert is saying people should stay on their local beach this summer. What do you think?
7: Well, I said no. Personally, I think that if, if it's going to be lockdown, they should close down the ports, the airports. They should lock everything down instead of having people. We're all locked down, and there's still people coming and going, which I don't agree with. So you're saying you should have zero Covid, as in just shut down the country? Well, we'll never have zero Covid, no, unless all the vaccinations. But it would put things down a little bit, and it would make things a little bit fairer on everybody else. But what about the border? The border should be shut.
0: Should be shut down completely. And then you might be able to get to Ibiza. <laughs> then
9: we might be able to sleep to Ibiza.
4: <laughs> Spain would be usually where we go, um, Marbella, Portugal, somewhere... Close and convenient and somewhere you don't have to go too far or too long or take too much annual leave off work.
0: Were you tempted to book something?
4: Um no, not this year. We're getting married this year and hopefully looking to buy a house, so that's kinda where the finances are focused as well this year.
0: So it wasn't a decision over COVID?
4: It yeah, it definitely would have been as well. Like it's just not it's not even in the mindset now this year, you know. So So hopefully we will
0: try and have a wedding
4: hopefully yes we're getting married at christmas so we're hoping that that side of the year should be safe enough we're going to do it we were meant to get married last year and we postponed so we'll do it the best way we can this year any way we can and where will the wedding take place we're getting married in neutral town castle in dublin so
0: i've been to a wedding at that place it's gorgeous
4: it's beautiful yeah. So i'm praying we can go ahead with it because i'm just yeah i'm just excited So no
0: honeymoon abroad anyway
4: no not for we've nothing booked nothing planned uh, maybe we can push that out till the following year and have something to look forward to then
0: so you're being very pragmatic about it.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we're all in the same boat now. It's just, it seems alien to even be thinking about going to an airport now. It's just not even in the mind frame. So hopefully now another year or so, we'll be all back to normal and able to go.
0: And do you think Michael O'Leary of Ryanair is out of touch with what people are saying? He's saying that uh, basically it's hysteria and this country and effort need to get their finger out.
4: <laughs> A little bit. I heard that on the news last night. Um, even the ad... The vaccine go Job and go, yeah. It's a bit, it seems a bit, it seems a bit crazy, but I know he's got his business to run and he's just obviously just trying to hope for the best as well. But yeah, it does seem a little bit, a little bit blase and a bit like it's fine, but it's not at the moment, you know. So,
0: and what do you do for a living?
4: I'm an influencer full time, so I'm on Instagram, I have a blog, and that's kind of what I do.
0: So, you're famous.
4: Oh, well, I wouldn't say that.
0: <laughs> and what's your name?
4: Lauren Arthur's,
0: and you're a big deal. Uh,
4: I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say that about myself. And are we on Instagram at the moment? I am, yes, yes. But
0: you're not filming us, are you?
4: No, not yet, no.
9: <laughs> Henry McKean reporting for Moncrief. On Sunday, Clara McKenna spoke to best-selling author Sarah Wilson for Alive and Kicking. When I
16: get anxious, when I get too stuck in my head, I just fling myself into nature, bushland, wherever I am in the world, and I'll just hike. And I'll walk in dirt over rocks Uphills, and eventually these thoughts start to distill. and And there's a couple of things that happened on that hike, but it really becomes a motif throughout the book. I I find that when you walk, and sorry, when I find I find that studies by incredible people way smarter than myself have found that um, walking goes at the same pace as discerning thought. And really, if we could sum the world up today. We are in we're having a crisis of a lack of discerning thought. We are all desperate to have space, time and and concentration to think through the problems and even just the micro, the macro, whatever it might be. So I get out hiking and, and these thoughts start to settle and I start to get clarity. And on this particular walk, I looked up at the flock of birds and, it was, and I was watching them do that thing and uh, they're called murmurations and I think starlings that you'd be familiar with do this, where they'll suddenly shift direction and there's no one bird that determines it. And naturalists have been studying them for years. And I think in the 19th century, they they couldn't find the thing that steered the birds. What was the the thing that got them all to suddenly dart in a new direction? And uh, so they called the, the, the word or that this phenomenon group soul, and I thought it was the most beautiful word. I don't know how I came across it, but that added to the, the, my thinking about things. And then I got back to the train station and sort of collapsed on the, on the ground and ate a mandarin upside, you know, on my back while I waited for the train. And I was, like, suddenly really clear about, about things and what I needed to do. And what I realised was, oh, my goodness, the answer is literally to attune myself with nature to be in nature where I see a murmuration of birds doing their group soul thing. It's it's seeing the the patterns and um, and a forest bathing expert explained this to me that that we have fractals in our eyes. So our irises work to these repeated patterns. And so does nature. If you think of a daisy or a fern frond or um, patterns in the sky, whatever, they're repeated patterns, you know, in a shell. And when we go into nature and we see them, we have this attunement moment, this kind of congruence, fractals meet fractals, and we suddenly feel part of a greater sort of, I don't know, logic. So all of that starts to happen when we go into nature. And, of course, the walking mechanism helps us as well. So all of that came crashing down and I went, you know what, the answer to all of this is far closer far simpler and far more immediate than we could ever imagine. And and that is to get into nature, to remind ourselves of what we are, who we came from and what we're about. And look, I think it says it on the back of the book. um, When we love something, we will do everything we can to save it. And so if you think of a mother when a car rolls, you hear those stories of a car rolling across their baby. And these these, 50 kilogram mothers can lift up a car off their child and they could never do that if it was their credit card underneath it, right? So humans have got this incredible capacity to rise and fight um, to save what we love. And so I think the trick to to us galvanizing and mobilizing to save this one wild and precious life is to get back into nature.
9: Sarah Wilson from Alive and Kicking with Claire McKenna, and of course, you can tune in to Claire every Sunday morning from nine till ten. okay, I'm going to leave you with now, President Michael D. Higgins, who spoke to Sean on Monday afternoon. Have a great weekend. I go
8: out for a walk sometimes on the on the periphery of the the, the or is here and uh, just across the motor of the people in the Phoenix Park, and isn't the Phoenix Park such a wonderful, wonderful mm-hmm. uh, facility and People are walking their dogs, and I've had an odd chat with them across the. more than the socially distance <laughs> God, because, yes. But... Uh, had I have that, but the uh, the the other thing about that, which reminds me, I hope now in relation to when they're doing the measurements about the distance you can be from your home, I hope that it's as far as the gate of the Oris, in other words, at the gate of Phoenix Park, because once you get as far as the gate, you should be able, you shouldn't, the clock shouldn't be running on that's your. That's true. Content. That should what come as your front
2: gate, really. Yes. Uh. Yeah, <laughs> it
8: should be, and I hope that that's interpreted. But sure, I mean that's probably somebody else's decision. But they, uh, but I do. I think it's great to see the people out and Mm.
2: and
8: uh, and uh, and uh, myself to talk have a good look at them.
2: uh, What what do you miss about our previous
8: life? What I miss most of all is the the human contact with the people. Very, very much so. And uh, uh, no, there are things I'm doing now that I, I, I kind of can do. The kind of things that can be done with, a, with, a, of course, mm-hmm. that you adapt and you take advantage of if, if like. If, there, there's uh, there are some reading and bits of writing that I can, that I can do now that I've been doing, but I miss most of all is the contact with uh, uh, with people and. Even for for example, uh, uh, I recall when I used to visit my fr- my fr- dear friend, the late Tom Orsey. It isn't you don't have to be talking to people, uh, or, or you can, it's very important to listen to them. We don't do enough of it, maybe. But the uh, the other side, but you can be just with people mm. if you you you're close to friends like as Tom and I were and the others. That they're very important that you get an energy from that. The other thing I think that maybe that's good, to them, and I was delighted to see that people are starting writing to each other that's something that was uh, very... I remember when I was in uh, visiting the, the visit to Australia and New Zealand, I tell the groups, you know, that while it was easy to see images, and, you know, now when you could link up through the technology, that the letter was an even better thing because a person could open, you know, take your time reading it and showing it and, you know, all that. that the letter has a significance yeah. in Irish life. And I think there might be a great recovery of that, and that's important as uh, uh, as well the The important thing I think is the messaging is to be the messages has to be one that indicates an awareness of how different people are experiencing this COVID in different circumstances. As an academic, I would one my days as an academic in a way, it has struck me as well how little we, we, we've, we've, we've come to know and share about what we would call technically the social anthropology of ageing and the social anthropology of youth. The, the games that children play that in that of the youth side of it, but also about all the different ways in which people... Stay connected to life. That's a real challenge, and yeah. we have to be very, very, very careful. That's why you you can't talk about uh, 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 older people as people you're managing. Uh, yes, they're entitled to their care, and that's a right. But also, they're also entitled to uh, be respected in their complexity and the difference of their circumstances. Absolutely, and, and so that so has been, been an on- yeah.
2: uh, So many of them that has been an unending success. Yeah. Yes,
8: and you, that's why, for example, the the old thing we would say, the difference between the active and passive reference to someone, you know, as I said, the most awful thing to say to someone is we're concooning someone, you know. Mm. That's as if it was something you would, It's even, if that word isn't actually, I, I have just indicated, said a long time ago, well, I don't particularly care for that word at all, I think it's. Um, it's nonsense anyway, because there's no connection between the human experience of what happens, you know, maybe you might be able to save yourself if you found yourself using it by saying, everyone is going to imagine as a butterfly or uh, re-emerge or something, but no thanks, no, I don't language is very important, and and that's where, as I said the words are used, the big words, the words are hold around it, that is uh, kindness, care, compassion Mm. And uh, uh, solidarity. There. And
2: there's good
8: and, and humour too. Oh, God, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, and, yeah. Yeah, we go mad without it. Can I,
2: have, you, have you got the job yet? Have you got the vaccine?
8: Oh, call it the vaccine, please. Yes, I yes. don't <laughs> like the word. <laughs> Sorry, yes. It's like a kind of. The way that they present it as well is that surely it's possible to present in the news an image of people. Having getting the the, the vaccine, getting vaccinated without having to be holding out their arms to have a needle going into it. I mean, it is that's such a lack of imagination in uh, in television production, in my view. But anyway, that's another area that we have to. Inco- Isn't it great that 85% of the people are in favour of the vaccination? Yes, Yet indeed. When, and for Sabine, Sabine and I are in the category. We're 79, uh, 79, so we're in the category 75 to 80, and then when they start that category, we'll both be getting it, you know. Right. But we, uh, we uh, I, I'm not sure that it will be necessary for him to be showing which arm I had it on <laughs>
2: and, <laughs> i be very glad In Case You Missed It
1: with Susan Cahill
0: A look back at the week on News Talk.